0: Anybody here like documentaries? Anybody here enjoy watching a great documentary? My wife and I watched one this week. It's, uh, we, we haven't watched it before. It's on Netflix. And it's a, it's a documentary about the events that happened on December 7th, 1941. Those ones right there. Pearl Harbor happened on that day in 1941. Now, if you know this story, you know the Japanese Empire uh, sent troops and and, uh, boats and all that kind of stuff. And they attacked Pearl Harbor on that date. The next day, FDR, our president would give a speech, kind of the famous one, where he said this statement. Yesterday, remember this? December 7th, 1941, a date that will live on in infamy. And he went on and talked about the attack that happened there. And that moment brought us into World War II. Now, Pearl Harbor was so dynamic as the experience and as the pictures came out and videos and all that, that many people, in fact, tens of thousands of young men enlisted in the military because of what happened on that date. And among those tens of thousands was a young man, a skinny little guy named Desmond Doss. Desmond was uh, inspired by what he saw on December 7th. He was so taken by it that, that, he, uh, that he went down and signed up to join the military. But the thing about him that was unique was Desmond was a Seventh-day Adventist and he had sworn to never take a life. He was a pacifist. He, he believed that taking any life for any reason was always wrong. And so, so Desmond said, I, I cannot take a weapon of any form into battle, but I will go as a medic. And so he signed up as a medic, but he swore he would not carry a weapon. And he got a lot of grief for this from those who were higher-ups, but, but they allowed him to go ahead and go into battle, assuming that he'd be killed because of this. The battalion he was in was sent to Okinawa, and they were given the impossible task of climbing up a 400-foot cliff to the top, where they were going to take this ground from Japanese soldiers that were up there. So him, him and his, uh, his fellow soldiers climbed this cliff, got to the top, began to take some ground, but over the, over the day they were up there, Japanese forces pushed them back, and they climbed back down the cliff they had climbed up earlier that day. And by the end of the day, only only the Japanese soldiers, the wounded Americans, and Desmond Doss were up top. And little Desmond Doss hid out that night, and he began to hear the cries of wounded soldiers around him. And he began to crawl through brush and through mud. And he would find a soldier, and he would drag that soldier Dodging enemy fire, dodging Japanese soldiers, drag them back to the edge of the cliff, and they would tie them up with a rope, and he would lower them down the 400 feet to the bottom of that cliff. American forces down below began to see these bodies being, being uh, kind of lowered off the side of the cliff and brought down to the bottom, and they would grab them and take them to medics. That rope would go back up, and a little bit later, another American soldier would come off the cliff. Seventy-five men were saved that night by little Desmond Doss that would not carry a weapon into battle. 75 men because he snuck around through dirt and brush and found those who were wounded. Later on, President Truman, the then president, would give Desmond Doss the Medal of Honor. At that ceremony, someone would ask him, what was going through your head when you were sneaking around and trying to find these soldiers and and bring them to safety? And Desmond said this. He said, I just kept praying. Please, God, help me to save just one more. Please, God, help me to save just one more. That was the cry of his heart that night in Okinawa. We all love stories like Desmond's. We all love to hear about The underdog, the little guy who goes up against the giant, you know, and wins. We all love to hear about those who kind of defy the odds and win the award, or those who help those who are helpless, or lead nations from behind. They come out ahead. But all those people that we kind of love and we honor their stories and tell them for generations, all those people had this in common. They all at some point said, Why not me? And why not now? Why not me? And why not now? Today, we're in the last week of this series we've been doing called Why Not Now? Desmond lived in his day, and he fulfilled the mission, really, that God had given him to save these men that were headed for certain death. And it reminds me of the words that Jesus said in Matthew 28. We know them uh, well if you've been around for any length of time. In Matthew 28, Jesus said this, verse 18, check this out. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, we call this statement, everybody know? We call it the Great Commission, right? The Great Commission. Now, it's great. Not because it's our favorite verse. It's great not because we think it's the most wise or the most powerful. It's great because it is the priority, the greatest priority of heaven is that we go and tell people about Jesus. Y'all with me? The Bible would say the great commandment, remember this, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, but the great commission the priority of heaven, the directive of Jesus to his disciples and to us today is that we will go and tell people about Jesus and teach them what he has taught us. So it is the greatest priority. And here's the deal. Here's the big question right now. Big question for the day How great is the Great Commission to you? In other words, how high on your priority list, on my priority list, is the Great Commission? Not how truthful, not how wise, not how enduring, but how important is it? Just for kind of an exercise, I want you to imagine the last two weeks of your life. So two weeks, over the last two weeks, I want you to kind of think through the conversations you've had, the phone calls you've made, the texts you've sent, the prayers you've prayed, the places you've gone, the ways you've served. Think about two weeks' time And I want you to internally be honest and I want you to kind of give yourself a grade when it comes to the great commission. So A being you've taken advantage of every opportunity that you've had great conversations, you've prayed for people that are lost, you've been intentional about your life, making sure that your life is going to count for eternity. You've been thinking about it, you've been talking about it, you've been doing it, that's an A. An F is I haven't thought about it, I haven't prayed about it, I haven't considered a lost person around me, and if they need Christ, it's not been on my radar at all. That would be an F, and a C, of course, is somewhere in between. Can we be real bold right now? You all with me? Everyone's got a grade in your mind? If you graded a C or below, honestly, can you raise your hand? All right. You guys are more honest than the 9 o'clock service is bunch of liars in that service. You guys are very honest. Thank you so much. <laughs> if you got a C or lower, ask yourself today, why not me? Why not now? Why not me? Why not now? Now that we're all feeling pretty shameful and embarrassed, let's pray and we're going to get into the word. You guys ready? Yeah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you entrusted this mission, this commission to us. God, you gave us the directive. You're the captain of the armies and you said to go. And so if you, had, if you said go, you also are gonna give us everything we need to accomplish this task. And so I pray as a church, God, that we will be a soul winning church. I pray that we will begin to get a fire kindled inside of us for lost people. I pray, God, that we would be those who, who, who care about not just the things of this world, but God, we care about the things of God, that we are mindful of the things of God, that we love what you love, and you love lost people. And I pray, God, that you would help us to be a church that wins people to Christ. God, help us to be bold with our witness, not to be obnoxious, not to be those people, but God, to be bold. We want to learn today from your word. And God, would you help us to raise our grade when it comes to the Great Commission? God, why not us? Why not MCC? Why not now? We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. If you got a Bible, go ahead and pull that out. Turn to Acts chapter 8. We're going to be looking at the story of Philip. He's kind of a, uh, a great, I love the story of Philip, the whole thing, but we're going to be part of it today. And we're going to look at Philip's story. In Acts 8, and we're going to pull out from this story, I believe, four things that will help us to become better at winning the lost. Y'all ready? If you got a Bible, pull that out. If you got a notebook, pull that out as well, because note takers are world changers. Here we go. Verse 26, Acts 8. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandite, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet, the spirit told Philip, listen to that, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet, Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture that eunuch was reading. He was led like a a sheep to the slaughter and as, as a lamb before a shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth In his humiliation. He was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. All right. So I want us again to get a passing grade when it comes to witnessing the people around us and and drawing them closer and closer to Jesus. So four things that we can learn from Philip's story. Number one, keep an open dialogue with God. Keep an open dialogue. Twice in this passage, we see that Philip is hearing from God. Once he hears from an angel, right? And the second time, the spirit speaks to his spirit. So twice he's hearing the voice of God, giving him direction. Two times. So I want to invite you into this conversation with God, saying, God, I want to have a two-way conversation. I want to speak to you in prayer, but I also want to hear from you in prayer. When you're praying, and this is important, if you're going to have a passing grade when you're praying, you've got to begin to pray for lost people. I've got to begin to pray for lost people. Amen? We've got to be a church that loves people enough to bring them before the Lord and say, God, would you save This person, Would you save my neighbor, my coworker, my son, my granddaughter, whatever it may be. We're going to pray, God, would you bring them into the kingdom? In Matthew 9, Jesus would say, pray to the Lord of the harvest to bring forth laborers, or send forth laborers, sorry, into the harvest fields. So Jesus says, pray for God to to send laborers out to reach the harvest. And then Paul was saying, Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 through 4, check this out, devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may open a what? A door. Pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. And pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. When I was, uh, kind of before I came to MCC actually, I spent a few months working some construction. I was working on a drywall team and and I was surrounded by guys that did not know Jesus, and they were very clear about that fact. Amen? Anybody here been in construction? Come on. All right. So uh, so I had some guys on my team that were, they were very much not living for God. They would come every day and talk about what they had drank and what they had smoked and what, who they had been with and all that kind of stuff. Very, very open about their lifestyles. And I began to pray every morning on the way to work. God, would you open a door for me to begin to witness to these guys? And one by one, I began to have conversation after conversation with these three men that I work with on a daily basis. They would ask me a question and it would give me an an, an on-ramp to begin to talk about Jesus. They would ask me where I had grown up and what I had done before this. And I would talk to them about serving as a pastor and kind of having all those things. They asked me spiritual conversations and I began to kind of answer questions they had. But it was natural for me to begin to have open doors to step through and begin to talk to them about Jesus. I prayed for those three coworkers every day on the way to work. And I never saw one of them come to Christ while I was there. But a few years ago, I talked to my boss, who was a believer that had hired me. And he said that one of those guys, his name is John. One of those guys later on came to Christ. His family's going to church. He's raising his kids in the house of God. It's like an amazing story. And so I was able to maybe plant some seeds or water some, somebody else's seeds. And over time, God brought about the harvest, Amen. So I was there in my day and in my time to do what God had called me to do. But I would have missed opportunity after opportunity to talk to John. If I had not been mindful and praying, God opened doors for me to talk to John about you. I found this is that God will speak to those who will share his heart for lost people. And Philip in our story, he had a heart for lost people. And so God would speak to Philip and give him direction about the open doors that he was making so Philip could step through them. That's number one. Number two, practice a quick yes. Practice a quick yes when God speaks to you. I love how it says that God called Philip away from Samaria. And the next phrase is, so he went. When God said go, Philip immediately went. He was a quick Yes, and I want you to kind of see so you know the background of this. In Samaria, there was a massive revival breaking out. You know that? In Acts chapter 8 earlier, we see the God's been, been moving in that city in extraordinary ways, using Philip there. He was preaching the gospel. The sick people are being healed. The unpossessed people are being set free. People are being filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's where Philip is, and that's what he's doing before this moment. He could have said, God, can you send somebody else, because I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm kind of a big deal here in Samaria, right? I'm preaching, people are coming to Christ, the whole city's like being turned around with the gospel. It's an amazing thing. And so maybe send somebody else up there, maybe send somebody that's kind of like not quite as big of a deal as me to go there. But no, he said, I'm going. So he went. When God called, he had a quick yes. In Isaiah 6, that Pastor Dwayne mentioned earlier Isaiah sees the the, the glory of God. You know, in the year that King Uzziah died, it says, I saw the Lord and he was high and lifted up and a train of his robe filled the temple. And then God says, who will go for us? Who can we send? And immediately Isaiah's hand goes up and he says, here am I, send me. He had a quick yes and God used him. Think about David who saw Goliath come out in the battlefield and everybody else is hiding out, right? But he says, hey, don't be afraid. Don't lose heart. I will go, and I will fight this giant. He immediately said, I'll do it. I have a quick yes. And so for us, when God begins to open doors, we need to be quick to step through the doors that God is opening. We all want to have God's stories, amen? We all want to have those amazing, miraculous God stories, but God gives those stories to people who say yes to him. So are you praying for open doors? And when they're opened, are you stepping through? I'm praying for you that this week, and for me as well, that God will open doors for us this week to talk to somebody about Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right. Number three, focus on your road. In life, you are traveling right now down a road that is uniquely yours. You're surrounded by people that only you're around all those certain people. Amen? God may pick other people in their lives as well, but you are on your road and there are people that are traveling your road with you. In this story, Philip saw this one guy, this one Ethiopian. He wasn't the only guy on that road, but God pointed him out and said, Philip, go to that guy. He's on your road and he has questions that you can answer. And so Philip saw the people that were on his road and went to those that God opened the door to go to. Who in your life right now needs hope? Who needs answers that you can provide because you're in Christ? Who needs healing in their body that you can pray for? Who needs salvation? Who needs God to step in to their lives? There are certainly divine appointments that God sets up way miraculously, but often God works through divine arrangements in life. It's not a one-time kind of moment. It's that God's put you in certain people's lives and every day you work with them. Every day you, you walk your dog next to them. Every day you're around those people. You're arranged in life by God's providence so you can reach specific people that are traveling the same road that you're traveling. Amen. Now we just read Colossians uh, 4, 2 through 4. Let me do the next two verses. Check this out. Five and six. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of how many opportunities? Every opportunity. And then he goes on. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. If we're going to make the most of every opportunity, we've got to be aware of those who are traveling the road around us. There are going to be practical and timely needs that you can meet. Moments that you're at work where you can say to somebody, hey, can I pray with you about this? Maybe someone's dealing with some financial things and you would say, you know what? Pastor Dwayne taught about that last week at MCC. Can I send you that message? I think it might really be a help to you, right? So there are ways that we can kind of reach out in the right moment, those reachable moments, and we can connect with people and make the most of every opportunity, Amen. I heard a great story just this week about two ladies at our church. And I'm going to invite Kathy and Marie to come up here. And they're going to tell their story because Kathy and Marie really have a, uh, this is kind of a, a looking around on your road kind of moment that happened in their life. And it's a powerful story. And hopefully, I believe it's going to inspire you as you're walking with people in life today, whether it be at work or at home or at school or wherever it may be, God's going to use you, use your voice, use your story to impact people's lives. So I'm going to invite you guys to... Tell us, what happened?
1: Good morning. My name is Kathy Talcott. Last year, MCC was shut down for five Sundays during the sanctuary renovation. Well, during that time, the pastors encouraged the congregation to get involved in a small group while the church was closed. And these small groups were called Church Anywhere. And, and they were held in homes of many members of our congregation. I was so excited to be able to open my home to host one. So one evening, prior to starting church anywhere, I was walking my dog, Bella, through the neighborhood. Okay. And I saw a couple of my neighbors who actually attended MCC, and I was talking with them. A woman with a dog carriage, whom I had never met, was walking her dog. So I stopped and I asked her, Oh, what is your dog's name? What kind of dog do you have? And well, she told me his name was Chester, and and
2: we had a conversation about our dogs, and the woman's name was Marie Osborne. Hmm. All right, good morning. I'm Marie Osborne. Um, that brief conversation started with us talking about our dogs, mm-hmm. and then we went on to talk about our Christian t-shirts and found out that we're both really big fans of the series The Chosen, um, and finally Kathy you know, asked me if I was going to or belonged to a church here locally, and I told her that I had been you know, searching for a church, and I was currently attending one in Midlothian that was about 30 minutes away.
1: Well, I told uh, Marie, our church was shutting down for a while, and I was having a small group at my home. And I told her I would love for her to come. Mm -hmm. Okay? And I told her I just lived, like, a few houses down on the road that we were walking the dogs. And I I just kind of pointed out, you know, the the house on the end... I don't know why I didn't give you the address, but anyway, I really didn't think she would come, to be honest with you, but I really felt led. It was just like, okay, you need to invite her to church, and I was just um, at peace with that, and I just kind of felt led, and so I did, and then it, it just seemed so natural, and there wasn't any fear on my part to invite her, but it was more excitement, especially when this is my church, first Church Anywhere group. So I prayed and I
2: hoped that she would come. All right. I remember that night so well. Um, It was storming outside, and I started to back out. I said, I came up with all kinds of reasons not to go. It was like, maybe Kathy canceled because it's a storm and nobody's showing up. Um, I don't even have her phone number to call. I only directionally know where she lives on a street, you know? But I went, Mm -hmm. and I'm glad I did, because since then, I have found my church. Mm -hmm. I have so many friendships. Mm -hmm. Um, I am growing in my faith, Mm -hmm. um, in my love for Jesus, and I am serving in ways that bring me so (laughs) much joy. Um, And this would not be my story if Kathy hadn't taken that Chance of this meeting is an opportunity to invite me to church. Come on. <laughs> I love you.
0: Okay. So good. So, in that moment, I, what I love about Kathy's story, kind of from her perspective, is Kathy could have easily said no for Marie, right? She could have just assumed that, you know, Maria's not going to want to come to our church. She's going to feel awkward coming to my house. Like, it's going to be this really weird thing. And if I say it, then it's going to be awkward. She'll be avoiding me on the street and all that kind of stuff. You know that stuff, right? We all think those things. But I love that she did not say no for her, that she went ahead and stepped out and trusted that. Maybe God's in this. Maybe God is arranging our steps to be on this street at the same time in the same place. And this conversation might go somewhere. God might just use this moment, this little intersection that we have in life to change Marie's story. And he did. Amen? Amen. And Marie's here. We were talking earlier about kind of them sharing, you know, and just seeing both of them, like you just saw a little bit just now, but seeing both of them just kind of tear up and Acknowledge what's happened over the past year in their lives and what an amazing journey it's been, all because Kathy was willing to say, hey, do you have a home church? Isn't that cool? I love that. So number four tied to that is this. Don't say no for someone else. Don't say no for somebody else. Philip, you know, he could have said no for that Ethiopian and thought he's a, he's a foreigner. He may not speak my language. I don't even know if this is going to go anywhere. But instead, he went up and was obedient to the Holy Spirit and said, hey, let's have a conversation and begin to talk to that man. He didn't say no for him. He assumed that there could be a yes in that conversation. Right? So many of us get paralyzed by the what if statements that are in our heads. But what if I talk about God and it becomes super awkward, right? What if I bring up Jesus and it becomes like this weird conversation at work? And then from then on, they're going to be kind of making fun of me or ignoring me or avoiding me or whatever it may be. What if this conversation kind of brings rejection into my life from this person or from those people or in my family or whatever it may be. But I want you to reframe your what if statement to something like this. What if God's been working on that person's heart? And preparing them for this conversation. What if that person's hit rock bottom internally and you have no idea? And God has been kind of massaging their heart to to receive the gospel and to reach out for the hope that only comes in Christ. What if that person is on the edge of a healing miracle? And if you talk, something's gonna happen in their life. What if that person will accept Christ and generations in their family will be saved? What if? There's a lot of what ifs that we can consider, but I'm going to ask you to reframe yours into a what if statement of faith. What if we have the conversation and everything begins to change? This guy right here, this is Brian, nicknamed Head Welch. He's uh, down in in children's groups today teaching our kids. He's leading small groups. It's awesome. Some of you guys are like, let's go get the kids right now. Let's go. I'm just kidding. Brian was actually the lead guitarist of a band called Corn, heavy metal band. And, uh, and by the, by the uh, kind of the outside appearance, Brian's life was amazing. He had a ton of money. He was a multi-Grammy award-winning artist. He had fame, fortune, women everywhere, drugs, and all the partying he could possibly handle. He had everything the world goes after goes after. But he said this in the height of that. He said, I could not stop my addictions. I had become an animal. That's what he said. So Brian, unknown to anybody around him, had hit an absolute rock bottom place. He was empty. He was addicted to meth. He was, he was just the absolute gutter of his life. And in that moment on this part of his road, God brought two guys named Doug and Eric to the road with him. I love this. So Doug and Eric were, they were not musicians. They weren't uh, you know, the studio re- you know, recording guys. They weren't those kinds of guys. They were actually real estate agents, just normal everyday kind of guys. And Brian was trying to invest some money. And so these two guys became his agents. And they were both born again believers. And so they began to have kind of a friendship. And it was kind of a weird friendship, but it was just working. And Brian liked them. Like They were, they were weird. They were, they were super clean cut and all that kind of stuff. But he was just kind of drawn to them because something in them was attractive to him as a person. Right, So they began to talk, and over time, Brian began to kind of hint at at them that his life was not all that he wanted it to be. He began to kind of put out little kind of hints, little feelers, saying that he was not in the best place in life. And one day, Eric was reading the Bible, and he came across a passage where Jesus says, Come unto me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And when he read it, the Holy Spirit just spoke to him and put Brian on his mind. And Eric began to write a text. And he said, Brian, this might seem kind of weird, but I read this verse today. and I think it might be for you. Come unto me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And Brian got that. And he began to reply to Eric. He began to talk to him just kind of very openly about where he was at in life, about the place that he was in and addiction and all these things. And Eric invited Brian to come to church with him and began to talk to him about Jesus. And this is what Brian said after going to church, check this out. All I know is that I was chasing all that stuff and it left me empty. And I was a complete empty shell, just totally like nothing inside. I had everything. I had the money and there was girls everywhere, all the drugs, pills, doctor's prescriptions, illegal drugs, everything. And it was just empty. So empty. And as soon as I went to church, I felt the love from Jesus. That's when I was fully satisfied and I was totally done with everything in the world because I was satisfied inside and I got filled up. Amen? (laughs) Now I want you to look at Brian. That's the guy that you might Quickly say no for, right? Eric and Doug, man, likely, if it was me and you and Matt in their shoes, how many of us would have said no for that guy? We'd have said, you know what, man, that guy's got everything he wants to have, like everything he's dreamed of as being a rock musician and having money and fame and all these things. He'll never say yes to the gospel. And so many of us would say no for that guy and just assume that was going to be the answer. But you will never know what God is doing if you don't have the conversation. What if, what if God's been working? What if, like Brian, that person's at a rock bottom place and they are crying out, tears in their bed at night, thinking, God, I don't know what else to do. I've done everything that I can think of and I'm at absolute rock bottom. I need hope, I need forgiveness, I need your mercy, I need something to change. And what if your conversation is the thing that turns the whole thing around? Amen? Don't say no for somebody else. Assume that God's been working on them. All right, let me give you a couple of practical kind of takeaways this morning because we're heading into At The Movies next Sunday morning. And I said it earlier, this is the most evangelistic, kind of gospel-oriented series we do all year long. And so I want you to begin to get a passion for lost people that are around you, those who are in your family, those who are traveling your road, those who are your co-workers at work, whatever it may be, I want you to begin to think today God, how can I have a conversation and help that person take steps toward Jesus? Y'all ready? Here we go. Number one, ask yourself, who's on my road? Who's on my road? Who's traveling with me in life? We're going to be aware. We're going to say, God, where are the moments? Where can I take advantage of every opportunity? I'm going to be aware of those who are around me. I'm gonna think about reachable moments where someone's in pain, someone's in a place where there's heartache or disappointment, and I'm gonna step into that moment and say, how can I bring the gospel and the goodness of God to that person right now? Amen? Amen. Number two, we're gonna look for open doors. We're gonna pray, sorry, for open doors, and we're also gonna pray for courage. We are a spirit-filled church. We want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We want to have courage by the Holy Spirit. Amen? We want to see doors. We want to step through them with courage and boldness. You know, Paul said in Colossians 4, he said, pray that I'll be given the right words. I'll say the right things. You can pray that as well. God, give me not only an open door and a kind of directive, but also, God, would you just help me to say the right things? Help me to approach it in a way that's going to make sense to them. Help me to to, to be a person that helps somebody take steps toward Jesus. And I'm going to ask you today, can we just say today, we're going to make a decision that we're going to do this. We're not going to put it off. We're not going to say, why not them or why not later? We're going to say, why not me? Why not now? I'm going to take steps. I'm going to think about it this week. God, how can I step through an open door that you're providing for me? So we're going to pray for open doors, and we're going to pray for courage. Number three, we're going to bring invite people to church. Now, some of you guys never heard that term before. I made it up. There it is. We're going to bring invite people to church. We're not going to just invite them and say, hey, well, why don't you go to my church on Sunday morning? We're going to say, hey, come with me to church. I want to bring you. That, that doesn't mean you necessarily are going to drive them to church, but you will maybe meet them in the parking lot and say, hey, we're going to meet on this side of the building or we're going to meet on the kids' end and we're going to check your kids' in. I'm going to answer every question you have about my church, like how you should dress, what you should expect, all that kind of stuff. And then I'm going to walk you through the whole experience. I'm going to show you around, help you sign your kids' in, And then afterward, you might even say, I'll buy you lunch. Yeah? But that money be a good investment if it will help somebody take steps toward Jesus? Yeah, right? And so do whatever you can to not just like invite them, but to say, I want to bring you with me to my church. Let me walk you through the whole experience. You're going to love it. So how do we bring by somebody? Well, first thing you need to do real practical if you're a social media user today, in fact, right now you can go on and post the, this event at the movies on your Facebook or on your Instagram. You can do that right now. You can uh, you know follow, like, share, all that kind of stuff, you know, and get the word out in that way. How many of you guys like texting? Yeah? How many of you guys are, are, are text somebody than call somebody? How many of you guys are callers? Like you like to call people? Texters? Callers? <laughs> Texters? Alright, alright. I'm definitely a texter So, I thought, you know what? how can I help our people? And I thought, I'm going to give you some sample texts. Pull your phone out. If you want to take a picture of it, you can do that right now. Here are three sample texts that you can send to somebody. You can make it your own and put your own words in there. But something like this, hey, are you going to church anywhere right now? If not, I thought maybe you could join me at MCC this week. We have a great annual event called At The Movies. It's always incredible. Would you be up for going to be 11 a.m. service with me? Kind of real simple, real straightforward. If you want to use that, go for it. The next one's kind of a family version of that. The last one, a little bit different. So I'll say my own kid's name, Madison. So Madison loves going to Ignite, our church youth group, on Thursday nights. They have a really fun event called Tribal Wars happening right now. thought maybe your teen's name would like to go with us this week. I can pick him or her up, so I'm going to bring them if you want. Here's a link to the Instagram page so you can get a feel for what it's like. Very simple, very straightforward, but also very like intentional. This is what I'm asking you to do. Will you come with me to church? Y'all there? All right. This morning, You might be here for the first time. And I'm going to assume that maybe somebody even invited you to come to MCC this morning. And if they did, I want you to know that person laid down their pride and they risked rejection and risked a no and awkwardness and all those things. And this is why, because they know that Jesus loves you enough to lay down his life for you. And if you've been the only person on the planet, it would have been enough. Your life would have been enough for him to give his life in exchange for your salvation. I'm going to ask you to stand up across this room. I want to ask you a very important question and we're almost done. But if you're here and you've never given your life to Christ, or maybe you said a prayer when you were a kid or a teenager, but you've never really lived it out. And you're saying today, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to have the hope that that he offers me. I'm coming like Brian Welch. I'm empty. I'm broken. I'm addicted, maybe. I know that I need a savior, that I need forgiveness. And I'm crying out to God today, God, will you give me hope and salvation? Will you give me a future? Will you change my life? I'm at the bottom. I need you to raise me up. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you, and today's your day to give your life to Jesus, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand real high across this room. I'll acknowledge it. Thank you, ma'am. Anybody else? I'll acknowledge it. You can put it down. Anybody else? This is your day. You wanna give your life to Jesus. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you raised your hand, thank you. I see you, man. Anybody else? Real quickly. I don't want to belabor it. Yep, thank you. Praise God. Anybody else? Yep, I see you back there. Praise God. Anybody else? Yeah, thanks, man. Praise God. Praise God. Anybody else? Usually we kind of pray a prayer. Thanks. Man, that's awesome. Usually we pray a prayer and we and we invite Jesus to come into our life. But the band's playing behind me and that makes me think of, maybe we can do this a little bit different today. We're gonna to sing a song that they sang earlier and they're playing it right now. Thanks guys, that's perfect. And this, the chorus of this song says, here I am, here I am, you can have it all. And really, to invite Jesus to come into your life and be your savior. That's what we're saying. Amen? i saying, God, I give you all my life. These are my sins. This is my brokenness. This is my past, my present. You know my future. Here I am. You can have it all. You can have it all. You can have it all. If you're in this place and you raised your hand, say, so I want to give my life to Christ, then this is your moment. You do it right where you're at. As we sing this song, you just tell Jesus, Jesus, you can have it all. You can have my life. All my brokenness, sin, past, all those things, it's yours. And if you're here and you are a believer, you can sing these same words in like Isaiah. You're kind of raising your hand and saying, Here I am. Here I am. Lord, send me. Lord, send me. Take my life. Take my life. Take my pride. Take all those things. All my fears, God, send me. I want to be like Isaiah, that prophet. I want to say, God, here I am. Here I am. Here I am. You can send me. If you can't find anybody else, you have me. Here I am. Amen. So I'm going to ask the whole room. We're going to begin to sing this song. If you're inviting Christ to come into your life, say, here I am. Take my life. If you're saying, God, I want to be a witness. I want to get a better grade on that. Amen. I want your priority to be my priority. I want to fulfill the great commission in my life. you're going to say, God, here I am. Use me. Use me. Let's do it, guys. Thank you, Jesus.